0: I had a space that I scheduled a week in advance, and unfortunately, Twitter did wreck the space. As most artists create... We don't necessarily create for others, we create for ourselves. It's our way of self-expression to get things out. And my way of telling stories because I don't like to talk about myself is through my artwork, a little storyteller. And this is my story. When I tell my stories to people, they get confused. I always kind of take it back to the timelines. Hey, Chris, welcome. I'll give you a speaker if you like. But I like to take my timelines back to letting people understand where I come from. Uh, everyone, doesn't, everyone relates things to what they're associating to. As of now, we all are different generations, different areas of the world and giving a little bit more of a background gives more of a reality check for others to seep into i'm going to change my settings real quick that way if i have people join they can get a mic whenever they want that way i don't have to stop let's see i think i did it right so Again, this is just a random space, it matter if you tweet out the room or not. Actually, if you tweet out the room, I'd probably be more comfortable just to keep jabbering on. My initial space, I kind of went into a botched moment of giving a background of the storyline rather than actually expressing it from the heart and from experience. So, this is probably fortuitous in me, Twitter. Uh, dumped my first space but my storyline is uh, actually the background of my parents my folks are actually from the 1930s and if you think back and that was the time of eh, the great depression before world war ii happened and that means my grandparents which i met and spent time with for a fair moment was born in the eighteen eighties until the early nineteen hundreds between my mom and dad and for the rest of the story when it reference to my mom and dad I mean my adoptive family because they're the only parents I've ever learned to know. My father side of the family during the early 1900s was subjected to new government ruling of take separating families, CPS. And even though they were Caucasian, some of them were immigrants, uh, Canadian, but French. And along with that, that was the same government powers that also during that time frame was segregating and putting people into, in a light term, call it reform schooling. Reform schooling for individuals that were interracial. Interracial marriages and family units were still legal up until late 1960s. So this is 30-some years prior. My father's family... That was his father's side. So my grandparents came from a separate family unit and they had to make do and were self-made. They made it into the oil company to supply a lot of agricultural uh, lands to the farmers in other communities during World War II, which gave a boost in the economy, allowed them to be very successful. And my mother's side, my grandparents were actually foremen, not foremen, but actually owned a seasonal migrational plantation. In light terms, obviously. It would sound like I was adopted into a very rich family, but I wasn't. Uh, Luckily, my mother's side was very progressive. And when interracial marriages were made legal, uh, her entire side was ostracized uh, from the general public. I'll just say that. My uncle married a Korean woman and had my cousins. I was not in the picture yet. My cousins were just born. So I was born, but I was not in the picture, obviously, and that kind of lit a candle under my newly uh, adoptive parents that they were looking through a catalog (laughs) for children. Uh, Come to find out that children were easier to purchase uh, overseas than adopting within the States. Uh, just because the government had some new restructuring problems to go along, and also if you adapted overseas, the government also paid you two thousand dollars. <laughs> it was a uh, that's my inside joke. There's there's a lot of uh, dark humor I've developed over the years, which maybe my story can actually explain a lot of my my silly dry humor. But anyways. Uh, they moved out into the countryside. All of this is in the state of Michigan. Moved up in the countryside up north. Uh, it, it, within means of one hour drive to and from work. My father worked for General Motors Union by the time the picture. Before that, he tried working the railways. And um, this is before expressways were really available when they decided to find their their homestead. So it was very, very... Uh, middle of nowhere. My initial story for my space today was called "Growing Up 1930s" because that was the theme of my entire life. I didn't have cable television; I only had a radio. I had three stations to watch in television, <laughs> um, and that—that that was my life because the world I was protected from. I came into the States in the early 1980s. I was born late 1970s, and unfortunately my actual birth date is unknown. I don't actually have a birth certificate. I was adopted and made a birth certificate to come to the States. And obviously, during the early 1980s, there was no such thing as naturalizing children that were adopted from overseas. Social security numbers were not given. Not until later on in the 1980s, which the man that actually wrote the original bill to pass to allow adopted children for naturalization into a family unit so they could actually partake in Student loan uh, access, federal student loan access when they attend college and grew up all their life within the states, um, actually came from Michigan. He was a Jewish man, attorney that uh, I grew up with. I actually grew up with his daughter that he also adopted. She was much younger, but he was very fascinated with my story and my family's story. But that's uh, that's later down dates. The story of where I was little apple of the eye of the process to get me here within the States because naturalization wasn't around. I did not actually have a birth certificate. I had an unknown birthday. And even worse, there was a tuberculosis outbreak within Asia. In the United States, there is the AIDS scare. The Center of Disease Control had lumped HS associated with tuberculosis and AIDS into one unit. So, there was a lot going against the process of adoption. When I came around into the paperwork, the legal system was because I was... Born within the country of South Korea, also known as the Republic of Korea, and outskirts of Seoul, the capital, in the countryside. It was out of wedlock, and my mother was ostracized because of that. Her her and my aunt actually worked in a factory to maintain my lifestyle until tuberculosis tuberculosis broke out. And for making sure that I survived. They put me up for adoption so I would get the med care. Because the HIV Center of Disease Control had problems with uh, concerns, I have a child. And also I had to be reclassified as a special needs child. My initial paperwork of being adopted was going to be postponed. And the family that I mentioned before in their upbringing, or their origin story, they decided that they would wait for me. And most people would say, you can't pick your, your parents, you can't pick your children, but they did pick me, which took me years to finally understand that most most children say that well won't ever be able to say that and I was just a horrible horrible little asshole kid prick of kid (laughs) until I had my own but uh, again that's another story so the paperwork originally it's for them to have me uh, here in the states they had it all together they in order to adopt overseas they had to be insured as individuals They were older individuals as well, so they had to have the life insurance policy for themselves. They did not have that readily available. They cashed it in and had to take out a new life insurance policy two years later for me. The paperwork originally that they filed was still usable. So that caused an issue when I came to the States, but also helped in my favor because I did not speak English. I made it to the States. I was not a US citizen. I was already registered into the system. But the day I was came to the States is the day that I was supposedly born because I was given a certificate of birth. I did not become a US citizen until four years later, which put out a total of six years delay on my existence before I legally existed. It might sound confusing, but back then, it was very easy for people to accidentally give you the wrong birth date, and that's what you had to be stuck with. (laughs) (sighs) But that's, I mean talk about somebody that has identity crisis I'd probably be the epitome of it but coming into America and because of I was older I didn't speak English but luckily my birth certificate was delayed I was or not yeah birth certificate I didn't actually have a real one it was a a certificate of live birth I didn't have to start school right away. I had private education schooling. Oh, actually, I'm back up. Sorry. I was not allowed to be around anybody still because I had to be checked by the center of disease because I still had tuberculosis. Even though I was cleared to travel and be adopted, I had to continue with the United States government to make sure that I was clean, in their words. That I was clean, (laughs) and I also had to attend reform school because they were still in like kind of a concentration camp of making sure that people of different ethnicities could acclimate. Because again, I was not a citizen; I had to work for my citizenship (laughs) as a classified special needs child. But uh, monthly, I was checked up on a by a caseworker within the household. And I was my parents had to take me in to be checked out, uh, X-rays constantly, vaccines constantly, and a lot of meds stunted my growth and made me sick, very very sick. I was always throwing up. I always stayed in, in the house, and when I had to go to for my checkups, there was only one place that was nearby in the state that could would see me. It was Flint, Michigan, Genesee County. Back then, it wasn't as bad as you hear, hear about now in the news. But it was segregated. It was Teamsters, the heart of the union. There was uh, pickets, union workers on strike constantly in the streets. And also during that time frame, the health department had a special spell that had AIDS. And that was where I was supposed to go. I'm not going to get too much into detail, but give you a, a background on some of the shit that was going on. <laughs> uh, but when I was finally cleared on uh, years and years and years of that process, it gave me a new back of trying to, you know, learning English and so forth. I had a um, private education uh, tutors, which were very nice people. You probably heard of the name. They were the Nichols. They were the neighbors. They were professors. Very bright children that they had. One of them was Terry. You probably heard of Terry Nichols. or we seen him on the news in 1995. I'm not going to go into using buzzwords to trigger my space, <laughs> but you could probably Google what happened and who he is. He was my tutor to learn English. I also had Tzinski. (laughs) And uh, actually, it wasn't Ted. It was his brother and his wife that were my tutors as well to learn English. All right. But uh, I think... I think I'm going to be oversharing a little bit because a lot of this stuff, when I disperse it out, I kind of get emotional and I can feel my face feel really warm and my heart beating very fast in my chest. So I'm going to just take a pause right there and say, hi, Drew. I'm so glad you're up here. Over some origin stories, um, starting from the beginning, and maybe I'll get to the end. But this is just free flow podcast. No one was in here when I first was starting to talk. Where the thing about artists, I consider myself an artist, is that we have a lot of things that we don't know how to express in the same language as others. To get our point across. But as an artist, it doesn't matter as long as you're doing it for yourself. A lot of my artwork that I do is visual. I do a lot of painting, drawing, whatever I'm feeling, because I don't know how to get it out or how to or where to start to explain to somebody where it's coming from. I made a, actually, it's hidden. I don't like to shill. Or advertise something a piece of me but I have made a lookbook. I did a self-publish um you if you've heard you probably heard of multiple variations it's called a lookbook book a book basically they're little tiny books for conversation pieces maybe you found one in somebody's house at the toilet seat you know motivational quotes or something but um it's a, book comprised of little things here and there that I've written, such as my story I'm saying now, to explain a small description of every art piece that's on the page. And I've minted out a collection that I'm probably never going to publicly share, but it's out there. And if people like it, they buy a page at a time. Maybe in the future, I'll choose to offer a burn mechanism it's actually written into the contracts but a burn mechanism that they can actually burn their nft to receive the physical copy i've made 50 physical copies they're in my closet <laughs> in a box <laughs> hmm. but yeah the um the stories that i i have to say um i'm I'm usually embarrassed to say them because things that you grew up with, trauma, or things that you thought was normal because they were normal during the time, and now you look back, that was so not normal. I recall, well, even then, you know, it was it was the '80s by then. I said my father worked for General, he was a car hauler. And I remember he had to sneak in to get a paycheck. Actually, he snuck into the uh, railway to load his truck directly off the train. I remember multiple nights he'd come in very late and he had basically his head split open because the union members were always on strike, but he had a family to feed. He'd drive and sneak his truck truck home and park it as he was trying to make sure that he delivered. But when he had to go for his paycheck, and there was a little bit of animosity of making sure everything was American made. It also includes the people. We would we had a Ford Mercury with the back seat trunk area with the the fifth seat. Or you know, it's the second bench seat that flipped open but mind you there were seven of us there was also the tire spot the spare tire spot <laughs> I was a very tiny person told you it took about by the time the expresso was built our drive straight shot to get to his workplace I remember people hitting the windows to yell at him when we were at the gate trying to Get in to park. And camera crews were there. I remember being underneath blankets in the back. Or hiding, you know, kind of where the tire was with blankets over me. To hide. Also included, we'd pull in where the truck mechanics were. And that one man, I remember, he was a Vietnam vet. He was a mechanic. He was in a wheelchair. Scared the living shit out of me. My dad would pick me up, put me on the guy's lap. <laughs> the guy would pop wheelies. No fucking legs. <laughs> I never knew what the hell was going on back then, but now I think back and I just laugh at it. All right, I didn't even know why. Why everybody else could sit in the seats and not be covered. It was just me. Same with family members. Like I said, my mother's side was very progressive. You know, the, the inspiration of why... They chose to adopt versus my father's side, which I told you, they were born in the 1880s, my father's side of the family. My father was middle child, 1930s. So, of course, nobody on his side understood. But everyone that I grew up with or was subjected to was my mother's side, not my father's. Everyone that I seen and met and talked to was people that also felt the same, such as veterans that were from Vietnam. They were also ostracized. People that were, they had disabilities that were also ostracized. Growing up and being surrounded by people that were subjected to AIDS, HIV, so my my understanding of human emotion, you know, hardships, I have it. I never understood or tried to relate, you know, woe is me because I didn't know any better. Yeah. You know, adversity or calling something disabled. Nobody is disabled other than by other people in society. I, the best thing that I've I met was another man at a podium. He was in a wheelchair. Because he was disabled, he was not able to speak at the podium. Or, you know, speak on the stage, I'll to say. He grabbed the microphone and moved out of the way. He's has his mic and he's still in his wheelchair and then that way, the podium wasn't in his way. He was right there front and want to see him and hear him. And the words that he said with a big smile on his face, and he's like, I'm abled. It makes perfect sense. Everybody has a story, but how you perceive it or what's obstacle is all in your own head and whether you're going to accept that disability or able yourself is key. I think that will be the end of the first origin episode. Thank you for staying and listening to me ramble. It's going to be a four part series. Usually, I run my spaces for a whole hour, but I think this is the longest that I can go at the time because <laughs> I just feel like an old, nostalgic individual right now, just <laughs> pouring my heart out <laughs> for no reason.
1: It's okay, kid. We'll listen to you pour your heart out. It's okay.
0: <laughs> well, hey, I have my dog. I got to. Oh, you got to
1: I'm sorry, I was just gonna tell you really quick, I I had a funny today because when I got off work, I hopped on Instagram and I'm not really on Instagram a lot, but and I don't have a whole lot of followers on Instagram and I don't follow a whole lot of people. So when I come up today, like I think your account and the Horde AI account's the only two I've really interacted with in the last week. So when I come up today, it was my entire feed was like. Just all of your posts and stuff today, and I was like, "Damn, I really don't get on Instagram at all." Shit, I'm
0: so sorry that you were subjected to that because <laughs> my Instagram is just a lot of oversharing. <laughs> oh,
1: good. I was like, "Damn, can't <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but um, yeah, I think uh, my dog's telling me that it's time to probably stop the uh, the oversharing for the night. He's actually very intuitive of my emotions and the more i'm talking about things that is emotional the more he's up my fucking ass hello chris hey
1: no this is this was great i'm glad you did this uh i think if we had more of this in twitter i think it would be a, a better place personally but uh takes a lot of strength to share your story and i just i just i want to commend you for it
0: Thank you. I'm glad that you're actually listening and (laughs) not feeling really bored. No,
1: not at all. I love hearing, everybody has a story. Um, and I, I as a, as a student of social sciences, um, I I love hearing people's stories and, and whenever I give talks, uh, when I mentor younger people, I always tell them every moment that you've lived in your life leads to this one moment in this conversation here and now. And, um, Uh, No, this this was great. I I look forward to hearing more from you.
0: I appreciate it. And also, I just want to say, Joe, thanks for popping in. Krusty Critters, thank you for popping in. And uh, Joe, you kind of came at the ass end. I'm going to close up early, but thank you for showing some support. And anybody future listening, I am going to cut out this little small talk and just post a, you know, 30 minute podcast of just my beginning story. Anybody would like to share um, a quick shill. I can also include that into the podcast.
1: No shilling, just uh, everybody like kind of Chris was talking about, we need more of this in the space and um, people being genuine and authentic, I think is what is really important. And uh, like web three, because there's so much, uh, behind the pfp but really there's also real people behind the pfps as well so um mental health is also very important men and women's mental health is very important and it's important to go out and touch grass so always i'm always glad to come join a space and shoot the shit and uh listen or talk so always we'll do it again soon
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm like shaking uncontrollably and like cold, like no circulation on my hands right now because this was nerve wracking. But I really appreciate all of you. Hopefully I build more confidence up to where I can share longer. <laughs> but I'm going to end the space. Thank you so much. You yeah, guys have a great night.
1: Take care. Thanks again. Bye bye.
0: Peace.